Hello listeners, this is your host Anjana and we are back with yet another episode of Business Line podcast. Heavy rains, cyclones and climate change are making headlines every day. Recently, we have witnessed how cyclone Michong affected Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh. Earlier, we have also seen how citizens' lives were affected by cyclone Oki. We are still confused about this recurring episodes of cyclones here in India. So, what are the reasons behind it? How are these cyclones formed? Is climate change the reason behind it? Let's find out. To talk to us about it, we have with us Vincent Quidian, consultant of Business Line. Welcome, Vincent, to the podcast. Let's break it down into simple forms, right? So, I have yes. my very first question. That's how do cyclones form? And how okay. has their life cycle varied from year to year in this recent times? Yeah. To start with, um, the a cyclone has to have a basic structure which is provided by an area of low pressure. I, I, I'm sure you have, uh, you must have come across the term low pressure area, uh, which uh, develops over the ocean, the, the Bay of Bengal or the Arabian Sea. And a cyclone has to have a low pressure area first. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this area of low pressure draws in surrounding winds to itself because the uh, winds have to flow from an area of high pressure to low pressure. Okay. So the surrounding, yeah, the surrounding winds blow into this low pressure area. Uh, simultaneously, you know, the as the earth rotates, mm-hmm. uh, it it creates forces that cause the winds to swirl around the low pressure. That's how the winds start swirling. You know, you have to have this uh, what's called this um, uh, the Coriolis force, which decides the uh, the strength of the winds that circulates around the area of low pressure. Okay. So this this force helps the cyclone to spin also. So we have a swirling motion of air around a low pressure area, and the winds start spinning. You know the cyclone. This structure starts spinning in a you know uh, anti-clockwise direction. Mm-hmm. There is clockwise direction of winds and anti-clockwise direction of winds. So in, in the in the case of a low pressure area. Okay. The winds are anti-clockwise mm-hmm. uh, around the center. So right. what happens is the warm, yeah, the warm ocean waters and thunderstorms. This is what actually helps the uh, this low pressure area to increase its power, its intensity. You know the strength of the uh, structure. So mm-hmm. the strength, yeah, the strength means the growing strength of the uh, structure means it goes. Uh, grows into a, the low pressure area grows into a depression. The depression uh, goes into a deep depression, and deep depression becomes a cyclone. And mm-hmm. uh, a cyclone means a particular uh, level of speed of winds, but a cyclone can still go to grow into a uh, severe cyclone. Um, you know, extremely severe cyclone and a super uh, cyclone at the end. That's the uh, most a cyclone can grow. Class five. Uh, class topping uh, category five. That's what a super cyclone, a super cyclonic storm is. Super cyclones are very rare, and uh, uh, the last super cyclone I think we have we, we have had in the Bay of Bengal was uh, cyclone uh, Omphan in 2019. Oh, okay. uh, that's a huge cyclone. Which uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, that um, took shape around the uh, Sri Lanka region, region and went all the way to uh, long distance to uh, the uh, Bengal coast mm. and made a huge landfall with uh, huge collateral damage. So, mm. uh, so <clears throat> yeah. So the so basically the ingredients for cyclones include a pre-existing weather disturbance in the form of a low pressure area. Mm-hmm. Then it needs warm tropical oceans. You know the uh, warmth is very much required for the oceans to generate the moisture. Mm-hmm. which fuels the cyclone, the, the strength of the cyclone. Mm-hmm. And of course, moisture. Most, moisture is supplied by the uh, ocean waters when it heats up uh, during the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if if the right conditions persist long enough, the, these can combine to produce violent winds, large waves, torrential rains and floods. So we, this is the result of a cyclonic storm, you know, depending on the strength of uh, the low pressure area as it grows from uh, a low pressure area into a, a depression, deep depression and cyclone, and then onto the uh, various forms of uh, uh, cyclones with en- enhanced strength, you know, uh, a severe, extremely severe and uh, super cyclones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how the uh, cyclone, the uh, cyclone, uh, develops from uh, an area of uh, low pressure, mm-hmm. uh, which keeps which keeps happening uh, during uh, you know the the cyclones form uh, not during the monsoons but during the uh, the months which precede the monsoon, like okay. you know uh, ap- April and May, mm-hmm. and post post monsoon, which is um, uh, October, November, and December. Mm-hmm. So we have been we we have been watching these cyclones form after the main cyclone ended. You know the southwest monsoon ended, and uh, with the northeast monsoon came these cyclones, uh, which we are talking about in, in the Bay of Bengal, which crossed Chennai, not Chennai, just uh, grazed Chennai and uh, crossed south uh, coastal Andhra Pradesh. Uh, severe uh, impact being delivered to Chennai and other places. Okay, so this brings me to a very, uh, I think it's me being a little extra curious here. So are we witnessing witnessing an increase in the number, uh, numbers in the Bay of Bengal and uh, the Arabian Sea in terms of cyclones? You know, there's a uh, recent study which says that uh, the number of cyclones Mm -hmm. are not exactly increasing, but the strength and intensity of whatever available cyclones are increasing okay. because of global warming and associated uh, you know phenomena mm-hmm. so the frequency duration and intensity of mm-hmm. cyclones in the arabian sea mm-hmm. have increased significantly okay uh, because these are we are talking about two uh, basins bay of bengal and the arabian sea but in, it is in the arabian sea where the frequency duration and intensity have increased. Mm. So it, this is linked, as I said, to the rising ocean temperatures and increased availability of moisture due okay. to global warming. Yeah, because it, cyclones feed on moisture, which which is the fuel which mm. the cyclone needs to grow into a monstrous size. You know, mm. so that process is uh, we are uh, witnessing an increase, if not the you know if not the absolute numbers of Mm -hmm. cyclones which form over uh, the Bay of Bengal and the Arabian Sea. So 
uh, if you compare uh, the Bay of Bengal with the Arabian Sea, there's mm-hmm. a slight de- decrease in frequency of cyclones in the Bay of Bengal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, to put it, to put a figure to these uh, numbers, um, yeah, yeah, the research says there's a 52% increase in the number of cyclones in the Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. um, and very severe cyclones have increased by 150% in the Arabian Sea. All right, all right. Yeah, while the number of cyclones in the Bay of Bengal has actually decreased by 8%. Oh, really? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yes. And if you uh, look at the intensity of cyclones, it has also increased in the Arabian Sea mm-hmm. uh, by about 20%, okay. um, yeah, which is post-monsoon, and to 40% pre-monsoon. Mm. So, post monsoon means uh, October, November, and December, the, the particular period that we are in right now. And mm. pre monsoon means um, uh, April and May, okay. um, uh, which precedes the southwest monsoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, during uh, April and May, it's gone up by 40% Ooh, compared to okay. 20. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, uh, another um, uh, measure of uh, you know, cyclone uh, intensity is the accumulated cyclone energy. Yeah, which is a measure of the total wind energy during mm-hmm. a li- cyclone's lifetime. So the accumulated cyclone energy in the Arabian Sea has almost tripled, but there is no significant change of uh, uh, the cyclone energy in the Arabian. Sorry, in the Bay of Bengal. So alongside the the speed at which the cyclone moves laterally, you know, from one uh, from point A to point B, mm-hmm. has decreased decreased in the Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. which which means the cyclones are now moving slowly. But the slow moving cyclones are dangerous in terms of their impact to the coast because you know the slow moving cyclone can stay longer. Mm-hmm. and uh, create that much more intense uh, impact uh, to to the lives and uh, property along the coast or along the affected areas so if you uh, antena if um, you just look back last weekend yeah there was a there was a very slow moving cyclonic cyclone it was not even a low pressure area okay uh, around sri lanka yes yes which- I heard that. Which I is, heard that. Yes, sir. Yes, which is what actually caused that heavy precipitation. You know, it's a record-breaking pre- precipitation in the Tutukuri area in southern Tamil Nadu, mm-hmm. where the, the amount of rainfall that fell during a 24-hour 24 24 period was 95 centimeters, which is huge. Okay. By any, yeah, by any standard. So what I meant to say was that the slower speed of a system a rain uh, producing system uh, mean uh, can actually mean longer stay and longer higher uh, intensity of rainfall and sustained rain for a, a much longer period of time than we could have imagined so that is what actually happened during the last week so this all brings me to this particular question that we have been talking yeah. about climate change for a long time and there is yeah. there are a lot of n number of discussions that are happening across the globe 
regarding yeah. this particular topic and the cop 28 just got over yes. even there yes. it was a conversation so my okay. question is that what impact does climate change have in breeding these cyclones yeah and there there is basically no consensus on how climate change will affect mm -hmm. okay. the overall frequency of tropical cyclones all right but um, but most of the studies suggest that mm -hmm. uh, climate change and global warming can increase the intensity uh, mm -hmm. and of the cyclones and the concomitant impact in terms of uh, the rainfall intensity and uh, the damage it can bring to uh, the coastal areas yeah mm -hmm. so so a majority of climate models uh, show uh, a decreased frequency in future projections okay uh, but warming of the ocean can help increase the intensity mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if if we are uh, talking of fewer uh, number of storms in future we cannot Uh, take them for granted in terms of their intensity their intensity is going to only go up okay with yeah with uh, warming of uh, the ocean waters due to uh, climate change okay mm -hmm. so so on the basis of uh, a few decades of reliable historical data there is no clear evidence of an observed trend in global cyclone numbers but uh, you know the environment which helps cyclones to form uh, more frequently is mm. not getting actually uh, uh, getting generated in future projection, projections uh, which means the number of cyclones uh, may not be uh, more they can at best be the same as of today uh, it cannot grow beyond uh, a threshold limit but there the intensity of the cyclones can grow manifold and uh, it can wreak havoc uh, along uh, the coastal areas and uh, uh, their intensity their uh, sheer ferocity and the intensity will be very 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 high then we can even imagine uh, that we have been seeing over the past few months if you take the the uh, Uh, the cyclones Tokte, cyclone Oki, uh, mm. then uh, of course Omphan cyclone. Uh, there, I mean Omphan was a um, you know a category five class topping super cyclone. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so uh, we will get to see in future will be the cyclones of this nature, but they're not going to be very frequent. Okay. The numbers will be low, but their intensity will be very high due to global warming. There is no. a uh, consensus on uh, exact you know the exact consensus on mm -hmm. how climate change will affect the overall frequency but the indications are that the numbers will at best remain the same mm -hmm. uh, but but not go up the chance is that they they can uh, be slightly or on the lower side in terms of the number but not the intensity intensity or the ferocity of uh, individual cyclones so that is my next question sir we just mentioned mm -hmm. about uh, warming of uh, yeah. oceans right and global warming yes. so this right. i think can be connected to the next question that i have that is how does yeah. warming of ocean contribute to the strength and mm -hmm. intensity of cyclones okay right right yeah so warming of the surface ocean uh, it happens due to you know uh, the climate change human induced climate change uh, is 
likely fueling more powerful uh, cyclones. You know, that's what we uh, discussed right now. Yes. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So, so the precipitation, uh, the amount of precipitation, the amount of rains, uh, rainfall, mm-hmm. is projected to increase due to enhanced atmospheric moisture associated okay. with global warming. It's very simple, Anjana. If uh, warming means that the air also expands, you know, the warming causes the air to expand. Mm-hmm. So when the air expands, its capacity capacity to hold water vapor also increases okay okay Okay. so so we will get to see more of moisture being held by the air at a given point of time you know uh, as the warming happens so Mm -hmm. so uh, the warming happens the ocean warms and the ocean waters evaporate and uh, the uh, moisture is generated and the moisture will be you know uh, of course it ascends into the air and the capacity of the air to hold this moisture will increase manifold due to Mm. warming of the atmosphere okay it's basically simple because of the fact that uh, the air expands there is a lot of heated up air which is able to hold more of moisture okay okay. Mm -hmm. yes yeah, so the proportion of uh, severe uh, uh, cyclones, uh, we are talking about category 3 and category 5, which okay. corresponds to uh, uh, severe cyclones and above, severe mm-hmm. cyclone, extremely severe cyclone, you know, th- th- uh, category 3 to 5. Mm-hmm. So the proportion of severe uh, cyclones has increased possibly due to climate change. It's happening already. Okay. 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 Yeah, this, yeah, this proportion of very intense cyclones is projected to increase even more. Um, mm. Yet yet most climate model studies project the total number of cyclones may not increase, uh, while their intensity and ferocity, I mean, associated with whatever available cyclones will go out, but not their numbers. This is again, uh, which we uh, discussed earlier. The yes, numbers, yes. Yeah, yeah, will remain either the same or even fewer, but the ferocity will increase due to global warming. Yeah, so additional changes uh, uh, include increasing rates of rapid intensification, which again, we are witnessing these days, you know, uh, the time needed for a cyclone to intensify rapidly, the time uh, required for the cyclones to rapidly intensify, you know, becoming very, very, very low, which allows uh, the cyclone to grow to, you know, uh, very high intensity. Pace of uh, movement of the cyclone is coming down. You know, this is again what, uh, what I um, referred to earlier. The uh, cyclones are moving slower uh, than uh, was the case in in earlier times so slower moving cyclones and with higher intensity can can be dangerous that, that's what we are getting to see uh, uh, during these days and we will get to see even more of them going forward okay. uh, so so while there are challenges in attributing uh, these past observed changes to anthropogenic forcing you know which is impact from climate change Mm-hmm. Uh, models project that with global warming in coming decades, some regions will experience increase in rapid intensification. Okay. Uh, and I think I think Arabian Sea is a very likely candidate that we are already seeing. You know how 
cyclones are uh, intensifying very rapidly and while they the movement gets slow and uh, it's they're being watched with uh, fear um, by the coastal communities you know this we need to be uh, careful about going forward uh, the propensity of very intense cyclones to form and their uh, mov- movement very slow movement and uh, they need to be tracked much more uh, carefully to avoid the kind of uh, very uh, huge loss in lives or property uh, along the coast but we have seen that uh, loss of lives and the property have been reduced over a period of time due to better tracking and uh, better prediction of these cyclones so, so with while the cyclones are getting um, more and more uh, specialized in terms of how they will move how to what extent they will intensify we are also from the uh, air uh, land we are able to track them more closely and uh, more accurately than ever so that has helped us reduce loss of life and loss of property over land angela so so while i was yeah. researching for this particular podcast i came across this term called cyclogenesis and okay. uh, so i'm just curious to understand what exactly is it and uh, yeah. what are the so i have a fair understanding that it is the birth of cyclones okay so yes yes months yes. that is known for yeah. cyclogenesis especially in the north indian ocean and uh, why yeah. why specifically during those months the cyclones are born i i had men- mentioned to you that uh, the cyclones mostly form during the pre monsoon and post uh, monsoon exactly. uh, months yes. uh, yeah uh, so we have april and may which are the pre monsoon months and uh, then if you if you come to post monsoon these months are october november and december so cyclogenesis uh, as you mentioned is uh, talks about the uh, birth of cyclones uh, the environment uh, required uh, mm-hmm. for the gen- genesis of cyclones so we mentioned about uh, there uh, a need for to have i mean for having uh, an area of uh disturbance you know low pressure area over the ocean waters mm-hmm. and uh, which if it is assisted with uh, a helpful environment you know uh, so there are a, a few uh, environmental uh, factors which can help the formation of a cyclone uh, among which is uh, the temperature of uh, the ocean water you know there's mm-hmm. a threshold temperature of 27 degrees celsius okay um, yeah the oceans have has to warm to that level 27 minimum 27 uh, to 27.5 degrees celsius that mm-hmm. warmth is required to sustain a, a low pressure area and the higher the temperature the higher the uh, uh, moisture availability and the moisture avail- moisture is the fuel needed for the low pressure to to grow to the next level so the higher the temperature higher the um, higher the possibility of a low pressure area uh, you know growing to the next level uh, a well marked low pressure area then uh, a depression and then a deep depression and then uh, before getting classified into a cyclone proper so ocean warmth is one uh, very important factor and the second uh, very important factor 
which is uh, called wind shear, the shear of winds in the higher levels of the atmosphere. You know, the cyclones has to have a storm structure. Uh, we call it as a tower. You know, there's a storm tower which stands uh, atop the ocean and rising to, uh, in the case of cyclones, to 12,000, 13,000 uh, to 15,000 to 20,000 feet. You know, and there's a cy huge cyclone tower which stands to that height from the main sea level. So for the cyclone structure to remain as it is and uh, sustain over a period of time, um, the winds in the higher level of the atmosphere also have to behave. So the wind mm -hmm. shear amounts uh, has to be lower for the storm tower to stand uh, as such. So wind shear, you know, uh, is the speed at which the speed, uh, yeah, the uh, speed and direction of winds in the higher levels changes. Okay. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah, so this wind shear in the atmosphere, the wind shear values in the atmosphere has to be lower okay. to en ensure that this cyclone structure stands and is able to grow and move, you know, uh, uh, as as a proper cyclone. So during the monsoon, the wind, wind shear values are very high. That's why we don't get to see the a cyclone forming in the midst of a cyclone uh, a southwest monsoon season during June, July, August, and September. During the pre-monsoon and post-monsoon season, the uh, wind shear values, uh, the wind shear values uh, come down, okay. which allows yeah, which allows the storm's structure to sustain. So mm -hmm. wind. So we are talking about uh, the ocean uh, water temperatures at the base level and uh, the wind shear in the middle and upper levels of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, the winds have to behave in those levels to see that the, uh, the storm tower stands on its own and is able to sustain for over a period of time for the cyclone and uh, the storm structure and the cyclone to move from point A to B, um, which could be the area of landfall. So if uh, the cyclone were to start from uh, the uh, somewhere around Sri Lanka and if it's coming down to uh, Chennai area, uh, we're talking about uh, two or three to four days. So, so, so two to two, four days, days for the cyclone to travel this uh, this length, and and if the cyclone has to uh, travel this length, the cyclone tower has to stand on its own and sustain as such uh, till the landfall uh, happens. So with the land landfall, the storm structure also collapses, and that's what we get to see in terms of the huge winds and rainfall and uh, associated havoc along the coast. So this is uh, how. A cyclone uh, takes birth from somewhere in the mid seas, and uh, you know meets up, uh, uh, you know ends in an, uh, in uh, inevitable death uh, along the coast, along with the landfall. The storm structure collapses. All the environmental factors, you know, mm -hmm. um, acting acting against the uh, storm structure. Okay, so this, uh, yes. since we had a small mention about deaths happening during cyclones, uh -huh. 
I yes. have a question on the lines of the infrastructure that is here and how equipped yeah. are we to like have to whenever we are hit with a cyclone, how do we yeah. manage it? Do we have the infrastructure for it? And what is the coping mechanism like? Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, Anjana, I said, uh, I earlier mentioned to you that uh, the we have been uh, the India Meteorological Department has done a terrific job yeah. of imp yeah, improving the prediction and tracking of the monsoon, mm -hmm. uh, which which means uh, we are able to um, you know infer in advance how a particular cyclone and where a particular cyclone is going to hit and which are the vulnerable areas um, uh, we are able to project in advance. So okay. we are able to prepare ourselves uh, ahead of uh, the landfall, which can be uh, the impact of which can be severe, uh, depending upon the strength of uh, the cyclone. Okay. So, uh, yeah, if you go back to decades, you know, uh, to the 1970s, uh, we had this uh, uh, cyclone in the Bay of Bengal uh, called Bola, Ooh, which... Okay. Uh, Yes, which um, made a landfall over Bangladesh, and that 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 I think was the worst cyclone ever across the globe in terms of the number of deaths, uh, oh. which it it, it triggered three lakh people. Estimated three lakh people died oh, due to uh, yes the cyclone Bola. Uh, so if you come down further to the 1990s, uh, there was a super cyclone. Uh, that hit the Odisha coast in 1999. Even that, uh, if you, uh, you know, this cyclone Bola must have been a, a, a category five a super cyclone, but I don't think we have a, uh, there's no record of uh, having uh, this Bola has been uh, having been categorized, categorized as a uh, category five, but mm -hmm. all indications are that it could have been a cyclone, uh, a category five cyclone. But in Odisha in 1999, it was a super cyclone, uh, which cost us 10,000 lives and uh, terrible, uh, you know, uh, loss of, uh, you know, property along the coast. In, in 2007, we had this Arabian Sea cyclone, uh, Gono, which was again category five. So I'm mentioning only the category five cyclones, just to mention to you, how category five cyclones have happened over the years and how we've been able to track them and how the early uh, prediction and uh, uh, constant tracking has helped us to reduce uh, the cost of lives and uh, the cost of... Uh, cost in okay. Yeah. So the Arabian Sea super cyclone Gonu went all the way to, uh, you know, Oman. It didn't hit us. Again, uh, in 2000. Seven, we had this uh, super cyclone called Kyar, K-Y-A-R-R. It again went to uh, uh, this uh, the Gulf area, which uh, which was born around uh, the Lakshadweep area, and went uh, thankfully went all the way uh, to uh, the uh, Gulf area, which didn't impact us. Uh, then, then in 2019, uh, we ha we had this Omphan cyclone in the Bay of Bengal. If you take these super cyclones from 1970s to uh, 2019 and 2020, number of lives lost and uh, the loss uh, impacted uh, the loss suffered by to infrastructure has 
significantly reduced over a period of time from the 1970s to you know the 2020s super cyclones have have a tendency to form uh, in may october and november you know uh, at least three formed in these months may october and november uh, if you take so we basically talking about the pre monsoon uh, period of may and june be mm-hmm. more for uh, super cyclones to form you know compared to the post um, monsoon period of october uh, october november and december so so you talked talked about our coping capacity and how we are able to we have this uh, uh, national disaster management authority which has been established by the government of india to yeah. deal with cyclones yeah to, uh, with cyclones and other uh natural disasters and apart from this the india meteorological department is a nodal agency responsible for notifying about uh notifying about cyclones and also come out with early cyclone warnings uh and we have also this uh, project called national cyclone risk mitigation project which is called the ncrmp um so it you know it built on three or three or four pillar, pillars Mm-hmm. uh pillar uh, number 1 is last mile connectivity uh so we are talking about uh, last mile connectivity to um to give out early warning and keep the people communicated you know uh, uh, keep them aware of what is happening and what can happen in a, in a, in a given period of time and getting them prepared mm-hmm. uh and uh, the other pillar is structural and non structural measures uh, how uh cyclone shelters you know how people can be moved from one place to other to ensure that uh, lives are not lost and livelihoods are not lost uh and then we have this uh, pillar which uh, deals with technical assistance for cyclone hazard risk mitigation capacity building and uh, knowledge creation and lastly but not least uh, project management and implementation support so the ncrmp also has been doing uh, a wonderful uh, job or the uh, period of last many years and uh, and it has raised our capacity to to uh, become more aware of uh, weather and climate and uh, also learn about the possibility of cyclones uh, approaching cyclones and uh, being able to know in advance uh when the landfall take place and uh, where the landfall can take place so that kind of capacity building and knowledge creation uh, has helped us a lot and uh, yes there is again this uh, uh, integrated coastal zone management project and we have coastal regulation zones uh, then we have this color coding by the imd to uh, mark out the areas where uh, you to, to mark out which areas are the most vulnerable in terms of uh, the impact you know from cyclones uh, then we also are talking about increasingly about uh, uh, vegetation cover improvement along the coast to increase the water infiltration capacity uh, and in in this aspect the improving of vegetation cover is of very high importance and uh, of course planting trees in rows uh, then coastal shelter belt plantations mangrove shelter belt 
Uh, so this can help break the wind force and mitigate the severe losses. This, you know, these things can slow down uh, the cyclone and uh, uh, break break down the cyclone you know uh, on uh, landfall and uh, it can just like a speeding vehicle um, comes across speed bumps on the road these uh, you know mangrove and uh, uh, trees in rows can help um, uh, slow down the uh, the approaching cyclone uh, then um, the government has also been uh, taking other measures such as constructing uh, cyclone warning centers and uh, of course uh, the logistics uh, making arrangements to relocate people uh, during cyclones and uh, providing updated information uh, about and about this uh, cyclone and warning them uh, the fishermen uh, ships uh, ports uh, airlines and uh, even uh, the various government agencies you know which interact with uh, which with a public face, you know, they which interact with people uh, frequently. So the the channel of communication is kept down to this level, uh, so that uh, it it uh, passes seamlessly from uh, point A to point B. On ground zero, uh, we are prepared to uh, meet with the eventualities, or you know, from a an approaching natural disaster, especially when it comes to tropical cyclones and Jinnah. You just mentioned about uh, IMD, and I'm yeah. curious to understand how has the cyclone early warning capacity improved yeah. over the years? Uh, you must have probably heard about uh, Mrtinjay Mahapatra. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, he, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah he, he was known as the cyclone man, uh, before becoming the director general of the uh, India Meteorology Department, mm -hmm. so he has brought that uh, his years of uh, uh, you know his capacity and knowledge and experience from tracking cyclones over years, you know, uh, to IMD, the headquarters of the IMD, and he himself uh, is in total command uh, tracking the uh, months uh, the cyclones every okay. time and. Uh, yeah, and he has a dedicated team, mm -hmm. uh, which yeah, which has um, you know uh, made a mark for themselves. I think it, IMD is one of the best when it comes to tracking and predicting of uh, uh, approaching cyclones. Okay. And um, yeah, they've done a wonderful job. If just take the detailed advisories uh, which have come out along with uh, the tracking of cyclones in recent times. Um, every time they have got it bang on target, uh, you know, the cyclone uh, landfall time, the cyclone uh, area of landfall, th this has been very helpful for the, the, the concerned state administration to mm. be prepared, to uh, be prepared in terms of the logistics required to move man and material and deal with a coming disaster. So that is helped the preparedness level by, you know, uh, manifold, I would say. Uh, it's uh, nothing like the earlier days. We are able to uh, spot a cyclone at least 8 to 10 days in advance and uh, track its growth, the track, uh, the, the move, the, the direction of movement, area where it's going to make a landfall. We, we are well prepared 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as as soon as the um, you know this uh, low pressure from uh, from the um, from the stage when a low pressure area with a potential to develop as a cyclone, uh, when it uh, from the very moment it is uh, um, you know it, the cyclogenesis happens, um, the IMD is on the ball, mm-hmm. tracking it tracking it to the uh, very last moment till it makes a landfall. The IMD has been earning plaudits from all over the world in terms of, and, and it is um, done a wonderful job, even better than the uh, other leading international models uh, when it comes to the tracking of the cyclones in the Northern Indian Ocean, which includes uh, the Arabian Sea and the Bay of Bengal. I think the world needs this discussion right now, why cyclones are happening, why floods are happening. And I think we had this discussion, very interesting discussion at the right juncture. So thank you so much, Vincent, sir, for joining with us today. And it was a pleasure to have you with us. I'm sure the listeners have definitely gained a lot of insights from this discussion. Listeners, we'll be back with yet another episode. This is your host, Anjana Sai.